Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bonafide, a podcast dedicated to authentic conversation and genuine connection. We are your hosts and sisters, Olivia and Aubrey. Um, we're living proof that families can talk about real shit. Now let's go. Wine glass clink. It was a plastic right, glass and so... a mug today. Welcome back. Y'all, we just checked. We had 39 plays on the first episode. Surprised. I couldn't believe that it was more than like five. Truly shook it. So that's great. I It's been a minute yep. since first episode. Um, life. Life has been pretty nuts. Mardi Gras, moving, work, school, two jobs. jobs. Yeah, lots of things. Yeah. It's, but it's okay. It's okay because we're back. And we know what we're talking about today. Mm. Something that has been on the forefront of our minds recently. <laughs> With Mental all those health. Change. Yes. With all those sudden changes and I think the forefront of our lives. <laughs> yes. Mental health. God. Which also is just such a pertinent conversation to have today because I feel like our whole generation just woke up and decided that we're, we're not make mentally it. healthy. Yeah. And we're going to make it valid like to talk about it. Yeah. So today... Um, I think the specific focus we want to talk about is anxiety, something mm-hmm. that uh, we have both dealt with a lot mm-hmm. at different stages of life, um, and talk about what that means for us, um, how it's shaped who we are, how it's helped us, how it's hurt us, um, and how it relates to um, the society and culture that we live in. Absolutely. Well said. And I think every person... No, I know every person who's listening to this also deals with anxiety on some level. Yeah, in some capacity. So whether it's just the normal, hey, my life is changing up, I'm a little scared, I'm a little nervous, I'm a little... Or if you have a diagnosed anxiety disorder, this is going to be a good, deep, messy podcast. So let's Stretch a little bit. Stretch a little bit, crack them phalanges. <sighs> Yeah. All right. So let me start by saying that first of all, there's so many podcasts on the internet. Yeah. There's so many, and it's even more every single day. Yeah. So obviously, we're not the first people to talk about mental health or anxiety or any of those things. But in you know our small little corner of the world on the internet, um, you know, I think it's important to to relate. To relate, Um, and I do think we have a special perspective on it. As I do, most people live their unique experience, you know? And so you can never hear the same story. Right. So I think when it comes to mental health in general, it's something that only recently, maybe in the last 10 to 15 years, is really only recently being considered, you know, real uh, disorders, real medical um, issues. And because of this, everyone... um, is bring it to light, but even more so, it's so difficult to um, diagnose and to talk about because everyone's experience with it is so uh, personal, and um, everyone's experience is different, mm-hmm. and it has it takes so many different shapes and colors and forms. Absolutely. Um. So we're just gonna talk about you know. Yeah, it's just so relatable, and it's it's what you should be talking about, you know. Right. So let's start with this. So, I spend a lot of time on the internet reading, you know, random, frivolous, educational, not educational things, you know. 
As we all do. Qualified fact checker. As Exactly, as we all do. And I read this article maybe a month or two ago. Mm-hmm. And it really caught my eye because it was about... Um, I'm having weird deja vu right now. Like, I've talked about this before. Wild. I mean... I don't know. Maybe I've just told so many people about it. I'm not sure. Probably. If it, you know, if it touched you. I mean, you discussed it a little bit in texting. But you really just sent me the... I didn't talk about it the last episode, though, did I? No, I don't think so. Okay, I don't know. Anyways, we'll find out. I don't whatever. know. Anyways. So, <laughs> um, so, it was an article about um, the idea of a work-life balance and what that mm. means for people that live in different parts of the world. And so... The way it was written was comparing all of these different European countries to um, what their work week looks like, what their mm-hmm. work day looks mm-hmm. like in comparison to what ours does in the U.S. And what they found was um, even though in the U.S. we have such a skewed version of a work-life balance like we basically work 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 and outside of your job you have a side hustle and then on the weekends you're doing this and then you just Mm -hmm. it's a non-stop like almost rat race like to make it to the top because we have this this idea that everyone the quote-unquote american dream is to either open your own business Mm -hmm. or to make a lot of money in some capacity or to gain riches and resources in some capacity so to us that's what we have learned for our entire lives and that's our goal. So because of that, it creates these like big gaps with people who make a lot of money because they become successful. Mm-hmm. All these people like us in the middle thinking that like, you know, they we should achieve what they are achieving. Yes, everyone is able to achieve that. And then people at the bottom who just simply will probably never make it that far. Whereas in these other countries, I think it's like Austria, Belgium, Germany, Italy, France, um, Sweden, the UK, Denmark, Finland, like all of those type places, they see it completely differently mm-hmm. so they have paid vacation days they mm-hmm. have maternity leave they have free health leave free health care free education mm-hmm. and obviously these things differ from different countries right. and the countries are much smaller but it was the idea of this article was saying even though they have more time off and on paper they work less and mm-hmm. they work less hours it actually has created a more productive society. Yeah. And our ranks, as far as productivity goes, are extremely low in yeah. comparison to these because we don't get the time off. They only work, most of these countries only work four days out of the week mm-hmm. at most. There's they no, take breaks during yeah. the day. Their health is valued. Their health is valued. And along with their health being valued is... Um, in all their systems, right? Like free healthcare, for example, insinuating like, hey, it's not your fault if you get sick. And hey, you're still gonna be able to pay your water bill because I'm not gonna charge you up the ass to go to urgent care and get a shot in your butt for a steroid, right? Right. And so I think like, you know, having all of those systems kind of be um, lax in the way that they allow your payment or they allow the structure of your week or the countries that have siestas throughout the day, like just the little cultural and systematic differences like that completely correlate to a longevity, right? That like as a population. So it's like, Hey, I can be productive longer or I can work 14 hour days for you for like 10 years and then just completely burn out. Yeah. And I don't know that lax is even the correct word. I would say that it's just a difference in priority. 
Yeah. You know, that it's a priority yeah, to sure. value family and quality time and sleep and vacation and yeah. rest and things like that because these people understand, mm-hmm. yes, they have less people who are millionaires and billionaires and yeah. they have more people living in what we would consider the, you know, quote unquote, blue collar, middle class, working mm-hmm. class lifestyle, mm-hmm. but they're okay with that because it's been ingrained yeah. in their culture that that's, that's normal because you're yeah. able to have those things. Yeah, it's not, the reason I said lax is because I've been conditioned to think, okay, my success it equates to my way. to my productiveness. Yeah, like I struggle with that constantly. I mean, I'm someone who I, I, I like to uh, navigate my day by doing a bunch of different things, and I, I like that productivity. Of course. But I means- also am notorious for burning myself out and making too many commitments and saying yes to 97 people when I just can't do it. So I think me just using even the word lax as an example of like U.S. I'm gonna say U.S. because we live in the U.S. But like our culture's conditioning. And you know it's and it's that exact thing. It's like we place our value and our worth based on the amount of hours that we put in and the amount of time we put in. It's like oh well I can't be mad that I didn't earn X Y Z because I didn't put in as many hours or I didn't give up as many things or Mm -hmm. I didn't sacrifice as much of my time and and money and resources as this person did and that's why they made it to the top and it becomes this weird pyramid scheme basically of everyone believing that there's a chance for them to if they do all these different things and they run themselves ragged that there's a chance they get it up and in turn becomes a very stressful environment even if you everybody these like intense feelings of anxiety in everyday life that people in these other countries are just not experiencing on the same level obviously everyone in the world this day and age it's 2020 with technology social media everything obviously life is much more stressful than it once was ever has been right and there's a lot of anxiety around the current state of the world and the government and all these very important terrible but there's no doubt that what the way we're living in comparison to a handful of countries or you know 30 different countries is wildly different is wildly different and my that makes me think about um, a question. Do you remember the first time you realized, like, yo, I'm getting burnt out in a professional setting, in a work setting, in a setting that doesn't feel, yeah, like, absolutely. It's you know what what was that first memory for you? Like, when did you realize that? What did that feel like? Um, and also, like, how did you learn to un? Well, how did you unlearn thinking? Okay, like picking up every shift and being here all the time doesn't mean happiness just because I'm like making money like what like what was that experience for you well you remember I do remember I remember because that's something that I think young adults learn and no one really talks about a little bit yeah for sure so I remember having a job fresh out of high school and I had just started college and I actually really liked my job, but it didn't make me that much money. Mm-hmm. Like it was an hourly job, barely above minimum wage. And um, we live in Louisiana, so the minimum wage is much lower than a lot of other places. Yep. Seven fifty, I believe. Seven twenty-five. Seven twenty-five. And um, so I had to work extra hours. So I'm going to school full time, and basically any all of my free time, I'm going and working. Mm-hmm. you know, extra hours and, and trying to make things work. And I'm 18 years old. Mm-hmm. So I... Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, so I 
you know, and I enjoyed my job. I really did. But, you know, because of that, I, you know, am not paying as much attention to school and I'm not able to get enough sleep and mm-hmm. I'm not able to, you know, spend a lot of time with my friends. Well, when and, you're working overtime like that, you know, you don't have that, that, okay, I go to class and I go to work and I get off. It's just like right. class, work, 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 class, work, 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 class, exactly. work. So... There was day. I mean, I couldn't tell you like a specific day, but you know well, there yeah, there was uh, times yeah. where you know you're definitely calling mommy crying, and yeah. she's like, "What is wrong with you?" And you're just like, "I'm just so exhausted," and you don't even know why you're crying. You're just just done. You're just I, burnt out. Aubrey is notorious for keeping it together emotionally in all the ways, except for when she's exhausted and burnt out. Mm-hmm. So like she'll she'll just like work herself. To like a dog, to and death. then but her threshold is always around three months, and then she'll call someone in her family, usually our mom, and just like the smallest thing will happen that day, and it just all comes out, and she mm-hmm. just needs to like take a break from the world for a week. That's how Aubrey does her emotion with her emotions. Take a break from the world for a week, do a face mask, like recoup, read a book, yeah, do the things. I can work like a freaking dog, and I can do it for a while, but then there comes a point where can't it's imagine just, where that came from. There's just. You know, one thing sets, it doesn't go the right way, and I'm just tired enough where the whole world comes crumbling down. But, you know, I think that that mm-hmm. is how a lot of people feel, and I think that because of that, definitely, I didn't start dealing with, like, real anxiety until I was an adult mm. around that period of time because I had never felt that much like pressure pressure and responsibility for things yeah so let me put this in a perspective mm-hmm. so to right now based on i believe a study that was done in like 2016 or 17 okay about 40 million people in america suffer from an anxiety related disorder 40 million and these are just people who are like what they were able to record so people who have gone to doctors right. gone to therapists been diagnosed which i know a lot of my friends who i'm like i want like let's go to therapy together and like they have never even stepped foot in a doctor's office and i know they'd be dealing with mad mad anxiety so So that says a lot 40 million people only in the united states Mm. 40 percent of that 40 million so that's oh my god math uh 10 16 percent Oh my god. Six hundred percent. This is embarrassing. hundred and sixty percent. I just did four times four in my head. Yeah, sixteen. Fuck yeah. yeah Y'all job. have no idea what of like when that yeah. was for me. So sixteen percent I mean sixteen million people of that forty million are between the ages of thirty and forty four. Damn. So that's like your prime career having, family have kids having, marriage. Okay. That age group of people, you know, like what you consider your quote unquote like legit adults. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Like people and, who are and like, your prime, you're thriving, yeah. right? You either like started a bomb career or you're getting into this like into the career and you're like, okay, like you know, you're figuring out a way to live your life that's successful for you. Right. Around that age. And and to again, going back to our culture and, mm-hmm. and the way that our society has shaped all this like success and, and all these things. That age group is, like you said, your prime. Yeah. It's, you know, you're gaining the most resources. You buy your house. You have a nice car. You, you have, have good kids, health. You have good health. You have a good job. You have benefits. You get all these things that your whole, 
you know, adolescence. Or idolized from a young age for you. Exactly. That, that's supposed to be a, a gold mine to get all that. When really, it's just like, I mean, you don't have to do all that. Exactly. And these people are the most anxious and stressed of any of us. Yeah, like, don't be... Yeah. So, with that being said, <laughs> what is considered to be an anxiety disorder? So, mm. I have taken a lot of classes on this stuff in college. Yeah. But I've just drank a little too much, and I just don't remember <laughs> as much as I should. Aubrey has a sociology degree from LSU, and then I have an English, like, degree and like... Humanities concentration from Southeastern, so we like aren't complete idiots. No, it's like I remember learning about a lot of this stuff. It's just it hasn't stuck in my brain as well. As along well. with like we're well, well read, I think we both like to read a good yeah. bit about this kind of thing, and also we both experienced mental health right. um, humps and hurdles throughout right. our lives. So. so, so yeah, so what they consider to be, I guess, the most common anxiety disorders would be like your general. Anxiety, anxiety disorder, disorder yeah. which is just, you know, general anxiety when it comes to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, panic disorder, which yep. is like panic attacks mm-hmm. and your sense of feeling like there's impending doom upon your life. And yeah, that one's like about it. 20 minutes of, that's really physical. Panic panic disorder is like you're just getting these physical symptoms because of the chemicals in your brain that mm-hmm. are popping off. And then you have about 20 minutes where you feel like you're going to die. Usually right. it's 15 to 20 minutes. Right. Then you have your social anxiety. Triggered. Which... Social- We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, We're about you to have... get personal. <laughs> hey, we gonna get personal. I need to get away from the mic because I know I was screaming at y'all last time. You were. I, but I hope this time it's better. And this time you're just banging on the table, so it's all good. I did it once. <laughs> but y'all, I have y'all like set far away. I'm just no, a very passionate good. person. Um. Okay, and then you have your phobias. These are your mm. specific phobias. Yep. Um. You know, not liking specific things that give like you Like agoraphobia. Well, not even agoraphobia is actually its own um, section. Not section. Its own um, category, just because um, it kind of goes hand in hand with social anxiety, and that agoraphobia ah. is like fear of like being trapped, yeah. um, large crowds. I have um, a little bit of that. Yeah, for sure. And then you have your separation anxiety. I have a little bit of that too. Um, <laughs> I also yeah. have a little bit of the GAD, the first one. I low-key have a little bit of all of them, but, right. you know, whatever. Separation anxiety. Oh, my God. Our One of our dogs is special needs, and... Sweet. He is sweet. Mr. Cannoli slash his name is Charcoal, but let me tell y'all, his separation anxiety is... Not a joke. It's expensive. He was it's on Doggy joke. Xanax and Doggy Prozac. It was expensive for, for, like, a year. Yeah, like a year, year and a half. And then, like, eventually, he's off of it now. Like, the the... The, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The goal was to slowly hone him off to it. Okay. So, Olivia, I have a question for you. Okay, girl. I'm going to start this off sort of interview-ish. Yeah, that's fine. Just to start it off. Mm -hmm. So, what kind of, of all the categories that I just named that we just talked about. Yeah. What do you think you've experienced in your life the most strongly Okay. And also the most often. Those two things do not have to go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. You can experience one more often, but you could have experienced one one time that was so strong, uh, you'll never forget for your entire life. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see. So, um, I would say the anxiety I experienced the most often 
would be generalized anxiety disorder and what comes with that, which is, I was actually diagnosed with that in high school. Um, but I do remember at the end of my counseling sessions, my psychologist crossing it off her um, clipboard, like saying, you know, like, I don't think you have this diagnosis anymore. I think you've worked through it. Cause mine was based around like some trauma and just like some mental um, pathways that I had to break open and like understand and it wasn't chemically induced, but it had become physical because I hadn't dealt with it in years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So she told me that I had that, and that is just basically constant worrying about everything. And, and so how old were you when that happened? I was 17 years old. Okay. So 17 years old, and I think, but I, so I would say when I figured out what the definition of generalized anxiety disorder was and what that meant, which was kind of constant worrying, constant over-analysis, constant kind of fear of just existing, pretty much. You know, you're always thinking about the consequences, the pros and cons of the most insignificant things. So that has always been kind of prevalent and kind of been a really normal, a normal pattern for my brain to go to. But along with that, um, my passwords. Pause. I have to put in my password for Aubrey on my phone because she's looking at things okay um so it was like when 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 the doctor told me that i remember having this huge sigh of relief because i had finally had an answer for like this really weird heavy like thing in my chest which when i was little i used to think it was guilt because i went to a catholic school my whole life and so the closest word that i learned to like a heavy weight in your heart or something was guilt um, so I remember being in second grade and like having just like getting in weird moods and mom turning around and like, what's wrong? Why are you crying? Why are you quiet? Why are you acting weird? Why are you, I'd be like, mom, I'm, I'm struggling. She's like, what? You're seven years old. And I'd call it the struggles. And I was like, I, I'm having the struggles today. And it was just anxiety, but I thought it was guilt. And I, th I just, so that's oh, I always, remember, that. remember, yeah. So I generalized anxiety disorder was called the struggles by a seven year old. Olivia so that's definitely most relevant I think um the strongest that I've ever felt was I don't remember the exact term for it but you develop an anxiety about anxiety and basically you develop an anxiety about anxiety attacks so I'd had I'd gotten to 17 years old 16 17 years old I really started having debilitating anxiety attacks where I didn't want to leave the couch I almost crashed um, the Gallant, the first car I ever had, which was like a pass me down through Aubrey and our other sister, Gabrielle. Um, because I would just get so dizzy on the road. I call mom. Um, I threw up on a statistics exam. Um, and I'm like a super social person and I was just like not wanting to go anywhere. I like felt completely terrified to be in my own body because I couldn't control what was going on. And I remember just like, you know, constantly going to mom or Gabrielle or whoever was around at the time, Steve, our stepdad, and saying, you know, like crying and on the outside, like I don't have a fever, you know, nothing's broken. And like really like freaking out to them. They didn't understand it, you know, cause like it didn't look like anything that they had ex they could see and it wasn't anything they experienced. And finally mom, I think after just years of hearing it, looked at me one day, I was crying and I got so, so I remember I was sitting, um, on the couch across from her and I was crying and I got so upset and I was like I don't I was like I don't want to live 
anymore. Not like this. Like, I don't want to live. And that scared the shit out of me because I, I never dealt with any type of suicidal thoughts, any type of depression. But the anxiety attacks were becoming so intense and so strong. You didn't want to deal with it anymore. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. And it, it suppressed me. And I was like, oh, shit. So then that's when uh, I went to go see a therapist. And I got my life completely changed. I felt saved. I felt like I could find and heal myself and the security I needed because I just so the strong feelings were definitely just the panic, which would you would associate with panic disorder. Just the panic attacks were crazy and right. traumatizing. But I mean, consistently there was always a like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. You know, just like all this stress and worry about just existing and having right crisis. and that's the fucked up thing right like you develop a worry about worrying yeah it's this you really vicious cycle scared about how often you're scared mm-hmm. it's and it's like how do you undo that it's <laughs> fucked up it's fucked up but it is. you know my next point would be you know you've had to deal with these types of things from a lot younger age than mm-hmm. a lot of people do yeah um, I mean, or actually, then a lot of people recognize. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you remember me like freaking out and crying about weird stuff when I was little? Or were you in your own world? I do vaguely, like, but nine. I was, you know, I was a little bit in my own world. I didn't, I didn't really. Because I feel like I wouldn't come up to you and have the vocabulary to say that, but I do remember at a young age being a little stressed out. Yeah, definitely. But to me, I think you've always been a very emotional person, and you've always also been true. a very, you know, um, outward with your feelings mm. so to me i just thought you know bad day you just sort of wear your heart on your sleeve and you cry a lot i don't know <laughs> i mean not completely wrong you know so but you know all of those things being said the first time that you ever felt that way so actually let me let me change the question so seven-year-old olivia mm. with her struggles her struggles it makes oh my me gosh. so sad to say that i she's, could just picture it it's really sad. so cute little freckles little seven-year-old olivia struggles Oh my god! Stop versus, saying it. It's making me sad. <laughs> versus adult Olivia's struggles. Yeah. What's the difference? So, coping, right, and talking about it. So, I think the important thing is the most important thing about an anxiety disorder is how do you heal it, and how. And for me, it was there. Were, it was really guilt based. And I developed a lot of shame. That's very interesting because I also went to a Catholic school and I never once felt that. I don't think it was directly from Catholicism. It just, I felt sh- ashamed of who I was for a really long time. And I don't know what that stemmed from. I don't know if it was like, I, I have no idea to this day. I don't feel that way anymore. I don't walk around and feel shameful of who I am. I'm very proud of who I am. I'm very confident in who I am. Do you um, think it has anything to do with you embracing your identity in the last few years? Definitely. I think that a huge part of me was suppressing. So, so I'm gay. And <laughs> y'all should have seen how I did that to the microphone. But um, a huge part, I, I mean, I remember kissing girls in like kindergarten or first grade and parents being like like little kids do boys and girls boys and boys girls and girls whatever but naturally like when you're when you're figuring that out that stuff about you like oh I want to kiss them or like oh I want to like play around just like kids being weird I always I went to women like I was naturally like just 
that's what I chose. That's what I was attracted to. That's what made sense to my little brain. And I always think about that because I'm like, you know, I wasn't taught then who I was supposed to like or like what a traditional relationship looked like. Um, and so I think that that has always been in me from a, like that awareness was always there. And then I just like repressed it or forgot about it. Um, so, yes, I think that was a huge thing. Also, I just uh, I think I had a little bit of a genetic predisposition as well. Um, yeah, for because sure. I naturally have an excessive energy that I've learned how to um, really use like uh, productively like with working out or just um, I don't know dancing or whatever you know doing something active but when that's just festering in you and you're a little shell and you're 10 and you don't know how to deal with it and you're also trying to figure out how to process emotions you you look like a Tasmanian devil just like running around mm -hmm. so um but what I really want to say is what helped me was talking to someone about it where I felt like I didn't have anyone in my family that was going through the same thing. So whether they wanted to hear me or not didn't you matter. You didn't. I can vouch for that. You did not. I did. I didn't want to be offensive. But everyone was like, dude, just like pull up your panties and like stop crying. Like you're fine. You got like a nice bed. You got food. You got... And I was like, yeah, I do. But, like, I feel I feel crazy inside. Yeah. And, like, I don't know how to show you that, you know, aside from tell you. And, you know, a mom that was mainly like, you know, go take a bath, go for a run, go do this, go do that, which helped sometimes. But ultimately it turned into, like, me just not dealing with something for a really long time, mm -hmm. which isn't anyone's fault. It was just like, you know. You didn't know any better. Yeah, maybe we just do it a different way next time but the the thing that changed my life was learning that having stress and anxiety and things that um that were hard to process and deal with were not my fault and that it wasn't my whole being mm -hmm. so for me healing became very spiritual it was me understanding that that's a part of me that can funnel through me I can have a panic attack because I, I developed a huge fear of panic attacks because I would get dizzy, I would throw up, I would lose all control. And it was a big control thing as well. But I was like, you know what? This is not all of who I am. So I'm not going to carry this around like I'm just this sad, not even sad, but just, just this beaten down shell of someone who can't understand why they're feeling and living the way they are. I was like, mm -hmm. this is not my fault. This is completely normal. This is what it's called. So, you know, have like talking to someone and learning that knowledge. But then the healing started when I was like, you know what, this isn't all who I am. And this isn't going to control me. And that really helped me. And then I kind of fell into this world of like really wonderful self-help books and teachers like Eckhart Tolle and Brene Brown who study shame and talk about being present. And I learned how to be present in the moment because anxiety often is always thinking about the future yeah, or the fear of an outcome. Perfect way to phrase it. It robs you of that. And like Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth, that book changed my life. Brene Brown, TED Talks, all day, her books all day. Um, I thought it was called A New World. There's A New Earth, and then there's... Um, Brave New World. Brave New World is... Uh, That's someone else. Is Brene. No, is... 
Brave New World. like Aldous Huxley or something? I don't know. Yeah. What am there's, I saying? There I barely is, even know. No, but those are all, those are all amazing professors, philosophers, um, teachers of all sorts. But, yeah, like, so, you know, how it's shaped, like, my personality as an adult is that it's like I am so embracing Oh, what a little goofy-looking man. I've never seen what he looks like. Oh, Eckhart Tolle, yes. he's so freaking precious. If oh, you watch his interviews, he, he's like, he looks like he's like 4'11 on a good day. I don't know, because he's always sitting okay. down. A New Earth, you're right. What am I thinking of? A Brave, brave New World is a thing. I, I can't think of it right now. But, I don't know. It's helped me really embrace who I am. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like I live a really shameless life now, and it's, and I'll I- just Huxley, I was right. Okay. Hell yeah. Fact checker. And, um, that was not, ho- that was not easy. Mm-hmm. That was not easy at all. Mm-hmm. When you get, when you feel awkward and you're made fun of because you're the youngest and that's your role and you do all these things and it's just like, it's, it's, yeah, it's completely helped shape who I am. It's made me love super hard. It's made me like be able to be super honest with people, um, it, I'm really good at being wrong all the time now. I'm like, you know what? Yes, I did mess that up and help me figure out how I can do it better. And I'm sorry. And um, it's made me more compassionate. It's made me extremely empathetic. Yeah. So, you know, this is like the whole thing of, of why mental health is, is so difficult to talk about and work through is because it is so... It just the picture is painted so differently to everybody. Yeah. Right. Like, and it is so different. Stigma so too. Hearing your story and stigma, absolutely. You know, yeah. and I think now recently, I think we're on a wave of people feeling um, less judgmental uh-huh. and more open. Yeah. Um, and more understanding of you know these these struggles. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep using that word. Struggles. I love it because the struggles. It's it, that's what it is, you know, mm-hmm. and it's internal demons and battles. Yeah. And if you are in a space like where you feel the world's a little more forgiving for you to be more comfortable, you know, being open about it and working through it and sharing it, I think we're on a wave of, of working those things out and it being um, more acceptable. All people need is a space to be themselves and a space to feel safe. Like, I did not feel that way until I went to a therapist. Right. You know? And that and that was hindering. And I think a lot of people experience that. You know? Yeah. And safe doesn't mean... It doesn't mean the same thing for everyone. It doesn't mean you're walking into, like, a really scary murder crime scene. It can mean that. But ultimately, it could just mean, like, no one's willing to have that conversation with you. Right. And, um, you know, my question for you, since we've been talking about, like, my anxiety as a kid and and me remembering, like, that developing pretty young and stuff, you and your anxiety, I mean, per usual, us being wildly opposites, you were always very um, consistent in your emotions, Mm -hmm. um, always, like, processed things and coped with things pretty healthily Mm -hmm. and then you never really dealt with anxiety until you got into your young adult years maybe college maybe 20s I'm not sure you can tell the story but what was that like because I remember you saying literally a couple months ago like well 
I hadn't dealt with anxiety until like a few years ago. So this is like crazy new insane for me. Yeah. So welcome to the world child. Yeah. So my story, <laughs> my story, um, my story, my story, my story. No, but, yeah. but my, um, my relationship with anxiety is very different. Um, in that when I was younger or, you know, basically my entire childhood and adulthood, even though now in my adult brain, I can look back on things and think, oh, you know, I didn't really understand how I was feeling about this certain thing in the moment. And now I understand it. But even to this day, when I look back on things like that, I, I know that I didn't really struggle from anxiety. I didn't really suffer from that. I never really felt that. Um, I can say that I felt a little like depression here and there Yeah. when I was younger. Um, basically when I was in like high school, um, you know, I think that was trauma related. I think I, um, struggled a lot with the way that I looked. Mm -hmm. Um, it took me a while to like come to terms with like feeling good about my outward appearance. Um, man, women, women. Yeah, man. It's tough. It was so much shit. It's tough, but, uh, you know, it took me, so that was definitely like a point of contention with myself, Mm -hmm. you know, feeling, um, less than yeah and my outward appearance now on the inside i always really liked who i was on the inside cute you know i like i always took a lot of pride in in me being smart and Mm -hmm. you know i thought i had a pretty face but i'm chubby and you know i have um you know i i was trying to like myself and i like parts of myself but i was still working through that but even to this day i look back and you know yeah i was a little awkward and i was shy and i wasn't that social like i didn't love to go out but i had a lot of friends and, and yeah. they would kind of drag me out and i yeah. you know i was because they loved you and i would go out and yeah, so i would get nervous but i wouldn't say that i would get anxious yeah you know? I, I never remember feeling dude the feelings that i you just reminded now. me of like yeah, no, I'm listening, and you just reminded me of how many times I would try to walk into new spaces, and my entire body felt like a heartbeat inside of a little tiny cage, where I would just be like, and and then eventually I'd get there, and I'd try to throw myself in, this is going to sound maybe bizarre, but I'd try to throw myself into that, like, crazy energy, and it, oh, that's not bizarre. And I would, I would trick my brain into thinking I was excited, but I, before I went almost anywhere, I was like... Just my body just physically was like, nope, don't want to do it. Don't want to go camp. Don't want to go the first day of school. Don't want to do like too many people, too many eyes, too many everything. Yeah. And so you just unleashed a memory of mine. Yeah. But that's very hard. Like, for you you know, like. You and need- I, I do remember I used to say to my friends, like we used to have a joke. Um, and every time we would get like nervous or like, I guess you would call it anxious, but not really. Like you just yeah. get nervous. We'd say we had tingle butt. Tingle you, butt! You Wait, remember. I remember that. Was that was like, uh, like that Sarah Almerhoon like whole. Don't group. be naming people that Sorry, don't want to be named. Sorry, I love you, Sarah. Love you. Sorry. We're not gonna name people unless they want to be named. But blah, 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 um, blah. we can edit it. You out. know, yeah, old friends and, um, yeah. So we used to call it tingle butt, and it That's would just so be like a feeling of being nervous or you know anticipating something or you know being excited but also a little scared and whatever. There's nothing in there, so don't get too excited. What are you looking for? I don't know. I'm just looking in the fridge. There's nothing in there. Um, yeah, tingle butt. Yeah, so true. So, you know, aside from that, really, like, I never really um, felt that way. So, when I got to 
college. Mm-hmm. I, um, like I was saying earlier, I started working this job, and this is my first time, like, ever really feeling overworked and um, really stressed for the first time. And obviously, like, you know, you have your school stresses when you're, like, in high yeah. school or whatever, but, like, not really. And, and you know, I, I'm lucky to not have had that many that much pressure or that many stresses when I was in high school. So, oh my god, dude. Yeah. So, by the time I got to college and That's true though. You had a pretty smooth ride academically and as a kid that's that's your work, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so if you're by the doing time I got to college, it, I kind of got slapped in the face, you know, and I pew pew. Yeah, and I I feel like I did a decent job of working through it for a while um as best I could. You hell yeah, you did. But when I was I guess I would say 21. Your hair looks awesome. Yeah, I feel like it looks awesome. It does. No, I, I genuinely meant that because I haven't seen the color yet, but the oh, ponytail yeah. is, is a mood. Yeah, people think I look like Billie Eilish. Oh my god, I'll dope. take that. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah. So I, you got into, I'm sorry, 21? So when I was about 21. 21? Oh my god, I'm getting tingle buddy even having this conversation. So 21. when I was about 21, I was, I guess, Almost finished with college, mm-hmm. right? I'm like my third year in. Um, I'm living on my own. I'm paying all my own bills. I'm, you know, doing the damn thing. I'm in school full time. I'm working full time, making decent money. You know, living my life, you know, whatever. Partying, like doing college kids stuff, you know, whatever. And um, I started to experience having acne mm-hmm. for like the first time in my life. And I never, that that was never a thing. Obviously, everyone gets, like, a, a pimple, no, like, but like around their cycle heavy pimple, whatever. like, cystic acne, like, all. So, it didn't really start out that way, honestly. It was just, like, a little bit. And then it would grow a little bit around my chin or whatever. And it would be there. And then it would go down. You know, and it would be gone for a few months. And then it would come back. And I, I wasn't living the healthiest lifestyle. So, you know, like, yeah. obviously, like, I'm drinking too much. I'm not eating well enough. I'm, you know. College Be, shit. Being like, a college kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like eating cheap food because I'm poor and whatever. Taco Bell. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, you know, Jack in the Box. Dude, them egg rolls. Ooh, egg rolls and curly fries. I haven't had that in years. But, oh, um, dude. Yeah, so so that started happening and I, um, it you know, whatever. It was what it, it was. What it was. It yeah, but it, it bothered me, but it wasn't that bad. So then I finished college. Um, I... Graduated from college, I moved to a new city, you know, I moved into a new apartment, had a new roommate, started a new job. New lifestyle. Um, yeah. And uh, I started getting really bad acne. I remember like, your face visibly, like, bloating to, like, two inches bigger. Yeah. And to the point where I was like, do you, have you seen a doctor or whatever? Because it was just... You know, it's like when people have extreme autoimmune disorders and their their body inflames, like, everywhere. I was like, dude. But it was just where you had the acne. Yeah, so to this day, I still don't really know what actually caused it. But, uh, you know. Stayed there. It it stayed there. And and she stuck around for a while before I actually, like, had the courage to go and do something about it. But whenever that happened was the first time that I ever started feeling, like, real anxiety about, you know, going out in public. and. Uh. Having to, you know, present myself to the world, having to go apply for new jobs, having to, like, date, like, yeah. you know, anything. Like, didn't you and your, you? I was gonna say you and your Sean. 
You and your uh, <laughs> didn't y'all start dating around that time? Sean and I. Mm-hmm. So no, but, that was a little bit later. So um, I probably let the acne go on for at least a year or so mm. until it got like bad enough to where I was like, okay. I went to a dermatologist. They basically threw Cetaphil and a doxycycline prescription in my face and told me to leave. And, um, you know, I tried that for a few months and that didn't work. Right. It wasn't helping. And then it got really bad. And by this point, it's like I was drinking every day. Yeah. I was, you know, I would go to work and then I would, I was caking makeup on my face to go to work. And because I thought I looked disgusting. Aww. And then I would get off of work and then my I would Aubrey. go. You know, and then I'll go get drunk with my friends. You're tingle butt, but I'm sad butt. To try to, like, <laughs> forget about it. And then right. I'll go home, and I'll wake up in the morning, and then do I'll the look in the thing. mirror, and I'll feel like shit, and then I'm going to do the same thing over again. Yeah. And so I think that's where, like, everything really stemmed from. So yeah. when I uh, made the decision to go back to a different dermatologist and figure out a different thing, I mean, she walked into the room. I had never met someone before in my life. She looked at me for five seconds. She goes, I'm putting you on Accutane. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I would like to exhaust all other options before doing that. And she goes, I have put all three of my children on Accutane. I would not tell you to do it if I didn't think you needed it and you need it and you're doing it. Thank God. And I was terrified. Huh? I started crying in yeah. the only office. Because like, Accutane is so, so severe. Yeah, and, and everyone the, probably knows about the side effects now. And it's The side just, effects are insane. And, and they yeah. give you a legitimate book. On all the things that you can and can't do, and and like just to prevent you from completely fucking up your physical health. Yeah, exactly. Because it can be detrimental if you do one wrong thing. Exactly. So I went on that. As far as the acne goes, amazing. Yeah. Completely got rid of it. Thank you. Like absolutely got rid of it. As far as side effects go, fucked me up. Symptoms were nuts, huh? Fucked me up. Yeah. Fucked me up. Fucked me up. So I can't even. Ex- <laughs> fucked me up in the backseat. I can't fucked even. Fucked me up in the front seat. Fuck- uh, so, I hate that. Yeah, it fucked me up so bad. So I started taking it in July of 2017. Sean and I started dating. I don't know, March or April. Yeah. So, like, when it was at the worst, like, when my acne was at its wow. worst, was when we started dating. And to this day, I still don't even understand how he ever. Say, maybe, me. I'm like, like how? Or you just, okay, so was it mood swings? Was it like extreme nervousness? Was it like so, temperamental? Was it like? Mood swings. Okay. Um, mood swings heavy. Which is wild because you have literally been one of the most consistent people I'm ever. I'm a pretty emotion- stable person, I would say. Emotionally, yeah. Like, but hella mood swings. Um, depression. Mm. Um, extremely tired. Mm. Um, body aches as if you have the flu. Oh my god, really? I didn't know about the body aches. I mean, that's the kind of thing you just have to deal with because it's not like you don't feel sick. You just like your bones hurt. Yeah. Your joints hurt. Ow. Um, especially like your back. Um, I mean, it dries the shit out of your skin. So I had the crustiest lips and I wear contacts too. So my You're just walking around with like Vaseline? I'm just walking around with like Aquaphor in one hand, eye drops in the other hand. A tub of lotion in my backpack all the time, you know, trying to do that. But although I'm thankful for that and it helped me a lot, the anxiety that stemmed from that entire process stayed. Never recovered. 
Yeah. Never. I mean, I obviously did a little bit. Right. Um, but I, I think mean, what... I was feeling all these feelings that I had never felt before in yeah. my entire life. I had never, you know. And I you're had... 23, 22 years old. I was 23. Yeah. Or I had just turned 24 when I so at that first point, started taking it. Okay. So I'm 24 now. At this point, you, you've at least felt every emotion at least once. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but at this point, I'm thinking you th- that or that's what you think. I'm thinking, damn, like, what is this? I've, how have I never felt this feeling before? Like, isn't it crazy? Yeah. So then I have yeah. my first panic attack. Ugh. And I'm driving in the car, and I am running errands with a friend, and I'm not far from my house. You know, I'm just I'm whatever on my way back home. And I remember I had a bunch of flowers I'd picked up for like my job at the time, and so I had a bunch of flowers in my car. And as soon as I pulled into the driveway, I like threw myself out of the car and everything that I had just bought was like on the ground thrown everywhere. Yeah. And I start like completely like, uh, hyperventilating, mm-hmm. sweating, mm-hmm. like, and I am like shaking uncontrollably and I call Sean and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is happening to me right now, but like, you need to come over here right now. Because I genuinely didn't know. Yeah. I genuinely, I had never seen anyone have a panic attack before. I had never, like, you know, like, you had them, but I never saw You weren't that. around. I think they, they got really severe when you were out of the house. You were in college and I was in high school. Yeah. So you never saw them. So, then, you yeah. know, that was my first time really experiencing And that. I'm sorry because those and things I wish upon no one. Because yeah, it's that. shit. It's it that. scary. And then it sticks with you because... Even when the physical symptoms go away, you're terrified to feel that again. Because you're like, one, where the fuck did that come from? Exactly. Two, I don't know I don't know where it came from, so how the fuck do I stop it? Mm-hmm. You know? And three, like, that just came... Like, I mean, it truly comes out of nowhere. That's what it feels like, right? Yeah. And... <clears throat> Let me yeah. also say... You lose all control, so that's scary. Let me also say, I've never once gone to therapy. Mm-hmm. I've never once gone and talked to a medical professional about any of these types of things. Mm-hmm. So, experiencing these things for the first time in my like young adult life, I kind of just have the mentality of, oh, I'm just going to try to work through it. Yeah. Because I know enough about myself now at this point in life where I feel like I might be able to. Um, so, I don't, I've never been diagnosed. I've never, mm-hmm. you know given an actual name to it if i had to generalize it i would say that i have like panic disorder with some Mm -hmm. social anxiety because i still don't like being in like a lot of crowds like yeah if i have to go (laughs) i went to a concert uh like a week ago yeah um literally actually like a week from today Mm -hmm. and uh i it was crowded it was like a sold out show earth gang oh cool yeah yeah yeah. you told me about that yeah it was awesome cool Cool. um sold out show Mm mm-hmm and we're in a really, really dope spot. Mm-hmm. And it's in the middle of the show, and I have to fucking pee. No. And y'all already know where this is going. I have to fucking pee. No one that I'm with has to pee. Lost cause. I turn around. There's so many damn people behind me. And you're like, I'm, I'm trapped. I'm like, fuck. So what do I do? I'm like, I'm not walking to the bathroom. Like, if I, and I'm the type of person, if I walk to the bathroom, like, I'm not walking back to the crowd. Nah. Like, I'm going to hang in the back and watch the rest of the show, but I didn't want to do that. Right. Because I was in such a good spot. Ugh. And I'm short, too, so I had an unobstructed view of the stage, which never happens. Rare. And I was like, I don't want to lose this spot. Yeah. So. Damn. I'm like, I have to be. I stuck it out for so long. Really? Yep. Until Sean looks at me and he's like, do you have to go to the bathroom? Because uh-huh. you look very uncomfortable. 
Oh my god! And at that moment, I was like, "Yes, I really do." And so he went with me. I would. I, I won't. Like I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. Too many people. And and you know those types of things like still follow you. And and I don't. You know I don't. Again, I haven't ever like put a name or a diagnosis mm-hmm. on it, but um. Yeah, like those things I never really had. Before. I would say social anxiety seems pretty fitting from the few things that you've told me about like if we've had friends wanting to hang out with us or you're planning to go somewhere, you, you've you looked at me and said, oh, I just don't want to go. There's going to be so many people there, blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah, I'm quick to blow people off. And, I mean, same. That's a terrible quality, but you know, I like, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, I mean, at the end of the day, too, it's like, you know, there's a fine line between pushing yourself into settings that – you'll have fun at that seem uncomfortable at first and then like putting yourself in settings that are just not fun for you. Like that concert, you went, you did not go just because you knew it was going to be crowded, you know? No, I wanted went, to go. And you and you went. And now the peeing thing, you know, you had to get a little help it's to leave the, the crowd. It's the walking through the crowd that gets me. I like, I'm the person who like, I want to get there early because I don't want to have to weave through the crowd. Yeah. And I also want, I plan out the spot that I'm going to be in so that I'm not going to be stuck. Interesting. You know? I never even think about and that I, stuff. Like I think of like my escape plan of like when I'm gonna have to leave. Yeah. And where I'm gonna like I already know my path of where I have to go, when I have to go to the bathroom, when I have to go to the bar, when I have to go outside, like all those things. Honestly, that sounds I, you'll like you'll never it catch would... me in like the middle of the crowd. Yeah. See, honestly, it sounds like that would relieve some anxiety, at least knowing that, which mm-hmm. is I'm sure why you did that. Because me, like if I'm one of those people, I'll be in the crowd at a festival, and I turn around, and I'm like. I'm just like, fuck, shit, shit, fuck, fuck, shit. <laughs> Sorry, mom. And um, then I started thinking about all the people and how I'll never be able to leave and I'll never be able to get out and the trapped feeling, which is agoraphobia, right? Yeah. And if I let my brain go there, then I'll start having a panic attack. But I'm, I instead, I'm just turning around. I'm like, I can leave if I want. I'll say, excuse me. And I start dancing. And I'm like, <laughs> it ain't going to happen today. But that's because I've been dealing with that since I was eight years old. Right. So, like, like it happened to me at work um, a few weeks, a month ago. I started feeling myself having physical symptoms of a panic attack. And I was, like, wild. I haven't had to do this in a, in a, in a minute. And I started counting my breaths and things like that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it's definitely coping mechanisms. I have to take precautions now that I never really thought about before. I cannot have more than, like, if I cannot have more than two cups of coffee, I rarely even finish two. It's one and a half. I have recently cut down my coffee consumption to one cup a day. Game, you don't realize how much it's fucking up your sleep till. No, you don't. Until I you mean, stop I doing it. I mean, I was someone it. drinking at least three to four cups a day. Wow. And if it wasn't, I'd be, I would be. It wasn't always coffee, but it was some source of caffeine. So yeah. it would be Diet Coke, it would be Red Bull, it would be whatever. Dude, I literally would be vibrating if I did that. If I drank more than one cup before twelve p.m., I mean after twelve p.m. No one wants to be around me. I don't want to be around me. You should appear with a Starbucks cold brew. I know. And it's but, but, 9.15. But, okay. Well, I guess I should say, I'll, I, I probably still should have gotten that. But I was driving late. And I didn't sleep much last night because I got off of work at 2 a.m. I didn't get home till 3. So I didn't, and I had to wake up early to help homies move. So I didn't sleep. So I mean, my energy level's lower today. But on like a typical eight hours kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah, but also, I didn't. I ordered a cup of coffee today, a cortado. I took two sips, 
and I threw it away. Cortado. Yeah. Why did you get a cortado? I was just feeling it. And cortado is like mostly milk. Um, milk and espresso. But I mean, there aren't they all milk and espresso? Right. The, just the ratio. Yeah. I, I don't know why I want to say it's like cream in there and not milk. But let's look it up. Yeah, look that up. Half and half, whatever. Couldn't even finish it. Took three sips. So this was the only coffee I had today. And I didn't even finish it either. I threw it away. I, I drank most of it, but, like. It's an equal amount of espresso and steamed milk. Nice. Half and half. So. And that's different from, like, an Olay, because it's not blended together. Well, an Olay is just coffee. It's not. Oh, right, right, right. It's not espresso. But, like, a latte? I mean, I'm definitely going to sleep way better if I didn't have that. Although, I feel like I'm going to pass out pretty great tonight. Um. Okay. I, know, I, guess, I guess latte has even more milk than half. Yeah, latte is mainly milk. What is mine? And cappuccino is... One third espresso, one third steamed milk. Oh my god, we're almost at an hour and we're talking about coffee. This is great. Sorry. Okay. Anyway, so let's wrap this up. I love this. Well, one, I think, you know, figure out who and where to talk to about. Sorry. Who and where to talk to um, about your anxiety, about any mental health thing you're going through about any problem or issue like go find a safe space to express yourself yeah whatever that is if it's a therapist if it's your significant other if it's your best friend if it's your mom if it's your you know Mm -hmm. any family member or anybody coworker. because talking to someone definitely i'm not someone who really loves to talk about feelings but um having Mm -hmm. someone to talk to who understands is huge makes a world of difference yeah i mean and i don't even think it's feel more feeling and emotion based than it is just speaking out loud and having this person with with the wealth of knowledge but like having this person reasoning with you reasoning with you being a sounding board it's insinuating that hey this is normal to talk about two it is you finally getting that internal dialogue out loud and it's not as confusing and you're like oh wait that sounded different in my head and it becomes more clear like And then you think, oh, wait, why was I thinking about it like that?
clap and this I need to get like a clap um playback like a little applause button or that even that cool. thing that's like bam 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 oh yeah <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> um so welcome to bonafide guys um a podcast dedicated to authentic conversation and genuine connection this is the part where me and Aubrey say we are your hosts we are your sisters and clink glasses of alcohol and or caffeine and or water. Aubrey is not here today, so it's me going solo, and Aubrey sends her love to the podcast. Me going solo as a host, but we got Sammy P, and it's about to be an incredible conversation. So tune in, let's talk about healing, let's talk about fixing our woes. Um, I guess I wanna start with introducing Sam and why I'm bringing her on for the healing aspect and then I'm gonna let her scream in y'all's ears or not say anything whatever she wants <laughs> to do. um so Sam is I think a hundred percent a self-healing Olympic champ okay so this kid has been my best friend for about six years maybe and she's a self-help book guru she is a boundary pusher extraordinaire so pushing outside of her comfort zones letting in healing she's a certified yogi a certified traveler a certified wilderness woman who can lead you on a fulfilling nature hike um she can put you in many spaces and make you feel safe and i've just always known her to really prioritize healing um in every aspect of her life uh, I'm a little biased, you know, I think she's the best. <laughs> but, but all those things are true, you know, she puts a lot of time and effort into um, cultivating healing spaces via yoga, via wilderness, via creative arts. So, um, bam, 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 bam. welcome friend, uh, we're doing this remotely, she's in Florida, at home. I'm in New Orleans. Well, not New Orleans. I'm in North Shore, Louisiana. Welcome, girl. Get yes. Cured. Yes, yes. So, um, how you pretty doing? Pretty much this. I'm doing very well. I've had a beautiful day. I've been doing some studying um, at the park and kind of came home. I set up to take a virtual 80s themed happy hour yoga class with <laughs> my girlfriend Rennie in Birmingham. But of course, I was two hours early, time change and things. Um, so yeah, I, you know, talked to you earlier today and you were just sharing with me um, about your podcast and current events. And I'm just happy for the opportunity to get into this great discussion. I loved your first episode. I think it's very raw and it's just fun to not perfect it and keep that flow open and yeah, just have that banter back and forth. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're so welcome. We're so excited. I'm so pumped. Um, okay. My first question is, um, can you heal through conversation? You know, you talked about raw conversation in our first episode and it just had me thinking, I'm like, do you think you can heal in conversation? Just aside, before I get really started with everything. Yeah. Um, well, I think with that, I have a very uh, deep and intricate layer, but just to, to touch the surface as an opener, um, 
I think we do healing all the time through conversation, whether that's um, intentionally directed towards what we're feeling on the inside, or sometimes you may be in your healing process and just encountering another person can be very healing and take you out of your own personal story. Um, But as far as really doing the work with something serious, I would say that healing mostly happens on a personal level. I love that. I love that. I really do got to I really do need to get buttons that have like snaps and claps <laughs> and like boos and so All just... six of them are snapping, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me see. Snapping. Here, I can I can give us a little uh little bit of this goodness. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so before we started recording ourselves, I'd ask Sam, you know, what books have healed you or what books have brought about healing in your life? And for you listeners, I'm going to name a couple that I think you could read right now during this time. Um, And a couple of them I've read as well, uh, but a lot of them are just freaking badass. So you have A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Um, He has podcasts on Oprah Winfrey's podcast, Super Soul Sunday, um, her podcast channel on Spotify. A New Earth is going to be more uh, philosophy-based. And these all have to do with healing, okay? So then you have The Celestine Prophecy, which is a classic, and uh, The Surrender Experiment by Michael Stringer. Um, Those are the top three Sammy names. I'm behind each and every one of them as a certified nerd myself. Um, so go read that shit while you're doing nothing in your house and getting sunshine. Oh, yes. Whoa. And two plugs. Um, Surrender Experiment. Michael Singer is amazing. You would also um, probably enjoy his work, Untethered Soul, which I would say is a little bit more popular. And if you're checking out um, podcasts and things like that with Eckhart Tolle, YouTube, Eckhart Tolle, and Ram Dass. That is an amazing encounter before Ram Dass just recently passed. Um, If you are doing a little bit of at-home research, yes. Yes, um, that's good. Okay, so... Hmm. All right. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. I don't know where I want to start. Yes, I do. Okay bathtubs 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 mm, love them use them <laughs> every other day heal with them i mean what <laughs> is it one time okay so we were we were on a bachelorette trip and sam walked in the kitchen hung over as to fuck as all we were as we all were oh my god i cannot <laughs> and she goes god like she she just got out of the shower I saw her before the shower. It was a rough state. She got out of the shower. She comes in and she's like, man, water is such a restart. And it just felt cleaner, better. And I was like, that's so true. And I kept that in my little brain filing cabinet. I was like, water is such a restart. And bathtubs are so healing. Like, let's get into that. What is that? It's <clears throat> it's really strange for me. This has been some a practice before I was even conscious of why I was doing it I've been taking baths very long baths um 
since I can remember, I actually have fallen asleep in a few. I flooded my parents' house twice. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Don't try this at home. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, and and it's even said when you think about, or at least personally, um, someone that's lived in the mountains and lived near the ocean, there's such different feelings. And the ocean is so peaceful and... There's just something about water. Um, I can't give exact like research data, but there is something when even when you shower, that fresh start to the day, that water trickling down you. Um, and in general, I may want to just say just intuitively, I mean, water is life. It's yeah. uh, 75% of our makeup and our earth and what we so survive off back of. back home. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think about water, you think about fluidity, you think about vastness, um, strength, but delicate and gentle and formless. And, and then when you just change the temperatures of it, I mean, you can take a hot bath. It's very relaxing. It's very soothing. Your muscles, you know, they become less tense, which then sends messages to your mind. Your mind becomes less tense. And then You have people that practice taking cold showers to become alert and awake and really jumpstart their day. And it's just such a a, such a powerful life force. I feel like. Yeah, no, it it really is. And you know what I'm thinking about is, you know, when people break severe major bones, um, joints in their body. So if you have back surgery, if you're elderly and you have knee problems, you have this or that and you can't do physical therapy um that is too strenuous or you'll hurt yourself and maybe you're of of like a very fragile state where you can't even work out because your physical health is hard a lot of those people use water exercises and water Mm -hmm. to heal their broken bones quite literally you know that's some of the like people who lose feeling in their legs because of ms or something like that like you know i think you, you don't have the gravity hitting on you like you do on these land land parts. <laughs> so, I don't know. I'm a big fan of bubble baths. I think that they are church. Isn't that interesting? Like, even when you were just talking about using water for restorative purposes, I immediately started to even think about waterboarding and how with a different Holy pressure... Shit. It's used to, I mean, of course, in like military preferences, it's used to train you. But I mean, in general, it's used to break you down. Um, So there's just something, there's something so powerful in it. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Water signs, show it up. Bring out your co-stars, guys. Oh, this cancer. Oh, this cancer. All right, wait, let's let's do it for the cancer. Hold on. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> yes. I found the button. Ooh. I love it. I love it. Okay. So, interesting. Oxford Dictionary of definition of healing is the process of making or becoming sound or healthy again. I love mm. that. And then, in quotes, it says, the gift of healing. As if you can give it to someone. Mm. 
or yourself. And that's and that's the definition for what? That is the definition for healing. Okay, that's verb. what I thought. Okay. The verb. So I was like, interesting that right after the definition, it uses it as a gift, right? So obviously that's super, super important. And that's a major ass like part of what that is. Um, mm, I like that. Right? I read it and I was like, that encompasses so much with so little. And then I thought, okay, so baths, water, cool. This is the definition. These are ways we heal ourselves in, in small doses, right? But like truly physically, because we are putting our physical body in a different element to feel something different, to restart, to clean, whatever it is. In general, how do we heal ourselves physically? And how do you believe that relationship is? The physical well-being and the breath to healing. Because I know that you've studied breath a lot in your yoga practices. And you're constantly getting certified in different aspects of yoga. So I really, really, really wanted your, um, I don't know, your info and your opinion on what the breath actually does for us. Okay. Uh, I felt like there were there were many parts to what you just said. But as far as addressing the breath, um, yeah, I think it's the most valuable tool that we all have. It is the only thing that is automatically happening within our body, but that we also have control over. Um, And every breath pattern has a mental, a mentality attached to it. And so they kind of go back and forth um, with the checking, checking in and checking out. I mean, if you're ever, I know for me, just driving. I catch it all the time. Um, I start to feel a tightness in my chest. I feel a little anxious and I check into my breathing and I realize, oh my gosh, I just held my breath for, you know, half a minute. And because of that, like everything in my body's tensing up. Right. So, like your shoulders are two inches higher. You fucking are so on edge. Driving, yeah. Driving exactly. A whole, a whole thing. It is. It is. And, and we experience it so much all the time so I think when you at least start before you even begin practices it's more of tuning into your breath and Mm -hmm. when it comes to breath you have passive breath and you have active breath so what's really powerful about passive breath is in any moment if you can check into that breath are you breathing in the chest are you breathing in the lower belly is it shallow is it deep this is giving insight to how I'm feeling right there in that moment. And it can start to point to external happenings that are triggers for you. And this is a really great way to learn to direct and, and heal your life. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and learning how your inner anatomy is working with all of these external elements. And then, And once you go deeper into it, you can start to learn about conscious breathing and learning kind of how to change and shape your breath to create that sense of healing, to create the stress reduction and becoming more from a pinpoint focus to an open awareness of actually everything that's going on, not just inside of your own world. Yeah. 
So, okay, being inside your own world, it's so easy to live in your head, right? Yes. Especially at a time like now where we're all forced to be in isolation. Um, what is, so if I'm really stressed out and I'm in my house and I've been scrolling on my phone and I'm mm. just kind of pacing Preach. And, and all that stuff, what, what is the best thing for me to do physically and with my breath? to feel better in that moment like what can we do at home yeah I feel like yeah whether you're just tuning into your phone too long one turn it off give yourself a few hours but you know whatever whatever it may be if you start to feel this sense of restlessness a sense of dis-ease um there's many aspects uh if you want to start with the breath, I mean, for me, it's always checking in. So a quick check-in, and it's hard because once you start to observe the breath, we automatically change it. But if you can really just <laughs> in your... Yeah, if you can just, before you even start, say, I'm checking in. So it kind of gives your whole body this, this awareness of, okay, I'm just about to see what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um... So just kind of, I like to start to, for maybe three to five breaths, I follow the breath. So I kind of feel the inhalation coming through my nose. I see whether it's coming out in my belly inflating or if the chest is inflating, how deep it is. Um, And so I do like three to five just to become aware of the state that I am in because this is going to serve you the next time. And one of my favorite, very, very simple practices is a therapeutic zone breath. Um, so for me, once I kind of check in and I feel a little more grounded, all of my external sensories are becoming a little more inward, you can do a very simple breath exercise. Um, you could even do it, I would suggest three to five minutes, but even if you do this for one minute, you will see a difference. And it's um, pretty much there's six second inhales and exhales. So mm-hmm. after checking in and having a passive breath and observing, you would say to yourself, inhale, one, two, three, four, five. Exhale, one, two, three, four, five. Inhale. I love- and so you would repeat that and that's called that's kind of in the therapeutic zone and what you'll realize is once the breath lengthens <laughs> that was for the breath i just did it y'all and it was nice and i remember my therapist telling me that years ago um to calm down uh an anxious heartbeat and so i think hey listen and, and y'all and, heard it here first right and and sometimes though if you're being honest like And I know you've been there. I've witnessed it. And you're so powerful. Your mental strength. You are really good about creating diligent practices, whether it's running, sweating, breathing, um, yoga. It doesn't matter. Writing. Like, you're really good at that. But some people, and I have been someone, maybe you deal with depression. Maybe there's a lot of layers to this. And you can just sink in. and, And the concentration it takes to count your breath, it seems unobtainable. So... Yeah. Um, you know, it's always baby steps. Sometimes it's just going outside, changing your environment, because even when you're feeling a certain way, 
to I feel, and I'm not saying this is the truth, I feel that you are emitting an energy. That energy is in your home. And you could be, in a sense, energetically, this invisible, subtle energy. You could be trapped in your own mental dialogue. So get Definitely. outside. Definitely. Breathe. Dude. Yes. Hold on. Hold on, y'all. I gotta do it one more time. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That's the truth, though, y'all. It's it's so, so, so vital. And, you know, Sam is one of the first people um, that in my personal life was like, dude, just go outside. In a, in a very subtle way. Not always go under the sunshine. But she would always remind me how important it was to just change atmosphere. That sometimes things aren't as scary and daunting as they are in your head and they don't always need to be fixed with words or problems or or tears sometimes you just gotta change your routine and it's that simple and often when you're in your head you forget like oh I can just step out of this box for a second and it will make you feel different Um, so I urge y'all to do what she said and try to I mean bring us with you if you're listening to us come (laughs) on But put, put us on speaker, put us far away, maybe come back to us at night when you're going to bed. Um, and go play with your dog, go jump some rope, go lay in the grass, look at the clouds and make shapes like you did when you were little. It's so important for healing and I know that everyone's experiencing transitions within themselves right now on kind of how to keep their like social life healthy when they can't really have one and healing is all about just that ultimate health so go get it yeah I like that and you know what I really liked Olivia when you and your friends came to stay with me um three weeks ago or so we used uh, all your tampons. Uh, and by we you left a few, thankfully. And then I went into Walgreens to get more. And it was, I just don't like going into stores right now. It's really scary for me. It's creepy. Uh, it's, it's creepy. No, creepy is better than scary. It just really... Just I just get so paranoid. Like, I literally... <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, the transition I go through for, like, an hour after going into a store. Um, no, I can see it Like, now. Barnes & Noble right now, that's an essential business, question mark. Do appreciate it. But um, <laughs> I wanted to get no. this book on yoga and I drove to Clearwater St. Pete didn't have it so I drive to Clearwater and the sky's outside only 10 people are allowed in the bookstore which is kind of a fantasy right like very quiet bookstore all all to yourself but not really because you know that other people are waiting on you and we love this shit yeah so I like go into I go into Barnes and Noble I had already called the book in it's waiting for me and I I love my books, but also you got a lot of heavy introverts working in bookstores that are a little socially awkward. All right. Definitely. So then they're like, <laughs> she's this lady. I walk up. She's like, step on the tape, step on the tape. And, oh, no. and I get it. She's urgent. They don't want to lose their business license. Like I totally understand, but it's just, it's, you're just, you're absorbing so much at the same time. And so I'm, it's a lot. yeah, so I'm standing on this tape. And she has her gloves on. And so she puts the book on the counter and she tells me how much it is. And she says, now, when I step back, she's going 10 feet. She's like, when I step back 10 feet, you come grab the book. So she steps back. I step up. 
then I step back, she steps up, then she tells me how much it is, she steps back, I step up. I got so weirded, I told her to keep the change, and I just left with my book. (laughs) I walked outside, my sister was waiting on me, I was like, we gotta go. This is stressful. But y'all, the world is in is in that state right now. And people are driving in their car with masks. It's like, come on, wipe your car down. Get a little breather in. No one's in your car. Like right. roll the right. windows down. Get that sunlight. Yeah. If you're, <laughs> come on now. Uh, uh, did I cut you off when you said you were excited about us coming to you? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say another thing because of course, like. I just want to say from someone that is still learning self-discipline with practices within the yogic tradition of meditation and breathing and a lot of other, um, as one would say, maybe morals, uh, that comes with practice. I still struggle. But what I really liked when all of you came, you brought coloring books. And I have enjoyed that so much. If you are, like for me, I suffer from, not suffer, I'm challenged with overstimuli. So I'm constantly, my mind's always attaining goal, have to do this, have to be there. And that causes, yeah, it causes anxiety. It causes stress. It causes me to completely be unpresent with where I am. And coloring has been so much fun. Like you're, really? That's awesome. Yeah, you're just using your strokes. You're very um, completely enthralled in it. And then you can send it as a gift, which is building connection, which is healing. And I think that even takes us full circle to you saying, like, healing can be a gift. Yeah. Shit, ain't that the truth? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's people who work in... Um, What's the word? I guess like spiritual practices and like healing or healer is their occupation and also it's all their being. Um, so yeah, I just I thought that in healing yourself, you're always giving a gift. It's mm-hmm. it's always being you know paid forward, and I think that's something we have to learn. I think it's something that's happening right now quotation mark current crisis we are coming home to ourselves we are being forced to spend time alone when we live in a world full of stimulus we are having to sit with uncomfortable pieces whatever way that may show up or manifest and the more work that we do even with your question can you heal through conversation of course human connection it is a necessity but really getting to those layers, that that's a lot of self-work. And when you do that, self-work. you're always giving. You're always you're always creating that karma. Literally. Um, I have one thing to say to that. I just opened a white claw. <laughs> Pop her open, baby. <laughs> 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 hey, can you pass that through the phone? Oh my gosh, my sister, real quick, she was playing. Okay, I have to say, like, yes, I know, it's very serious. Take it seriously. Take the right precautions. Be educated. But also, our generation, can't wait to listen to your last podcast on millennials. Um, The things we're making, like, beyond, like, dogs singing funny songs about seeing their owners all the time. And these ridiculous memes. Haley... 
<laughs> she put on that's my sister she put on shout out Haley we love you <laughs> she put on a coronavirus playlist via Spotify and this thing is so good but one of the songs was because you said pass it through the phone one of them was kiss me through the phone, through the phone. <laughs> see you kiss later on phone. that's so perfect okay give me the name of the playlist I'm gonna shout her out let's see Haley what's the name of that coronavirus playlist she's looking it up she'll get back to us all right, I'm going to give that to all of y'all to go dance to. Oh, it's great. It's all over the map, all over the map in genres. That's amazing. Um, we're going to give that to you guys. I, uh, yeah, I mean, what was I about to say? Yes, there's this quote and this meme um, going around Facebook. Well, there's a bunch, but one I want to say to end, like, the very... Oh my god, I just put in the wrong password. Okay. Sorry, guys. Having lots of thoughts out Real authentic connection. This is it. We are scrambled eggs, everybody. Scramble, scramble. Okay. (laughs) This quote is what I think Sam was alluding to. Um, It's on Facebook, and it says, I think that when the dust settles, we will realize how little we need, how very much we actually have, and the true value of human connection. Mm. And right and right now, that's that's the healing that's going on. In your day-to-day and in your world and in your society. So that's for you guys who haven't read that. One little practice that I have been consciously doing only for the past three days, but I've started already seeing effects. Especially in this time when you don't have a lot of outlets that are available that we're used to, whether it be going to social gatherings or shopping or eating out, whatever it may be. Um, Anytime I say I want, I am filling it with I have. And I know that's that's a, you've heard about this practice of gratification, but right now when I don't have the finances to have, I can't just go out and, and hold on to connection that makes me comfortable. Um, just even with that what you just read Olivia just we have so much already and all these things that maybe we've put a lot of value in and we've created our life around how sturdy are they do you have those things you've been building your foundation on is that even still available and really looking at what's important in your life and what you already have um wow yeah no, I'm refraining from doing the clapping button right now because I know I've done it like five times. Um, but I wanted to very bad. <clears throat> so I also have a little something I want to open up for a discussion. Okay. Uh, and whenever you shared with us the definition of healing, um, I thought you said healing and then I didn't know if you said water, but then you told me, you said, no, the verb healing. And what's funny is, Literally, you sent me that Google Doc like 15 minutes before we started this. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the first things I was writing from my thoughts is healing is a verb. <laughs> so it's something in action or better yet, it's an effect. Mm. So <clears throat> for me, when I, when I hear the word healing it seems like it's preceding something and 
So I decided to look up the word trauma. And trauma is stated a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So for me, <clears throat> healing's almost like the mid aftermath. So then I started thinking, okay, well, what planes does trauma exist in? And I think they can occur on all levels that we're conscious of. So emotional, mental, physical, even as well as spiritual. I've met people from very heavy um, upbringings with spirituality that has caused trauma in their life. It's not one you would even maybe think of. Um, and yeah, I kind of want to, I want to talk about this. I want to, I know, and I'm, this is all stemming off of kind of little blips that you gave me. Um, and especially, I love that, especially with the healing process. So I want to hear what you kind of have to say, especially from someone, Olivia, that has gone through some different grieving processes and I can think of a few different ones that are very powerful influential um how would you describe just personally which is not an absolute your healing process oh this is why I love you (laughs) bless because um you know Asking these questions and having this conversation and it open to anyone who wants to hear it shows that like you can have this vulnerability with people and it might give ideas to like how to heal. Um, so just thanks for that. Uh, so healing personally, um, for me, for me, that looks like acknowledgement. So the first thing I do when something traumatic has happened to me um, and like a lot of people I think when you a lot of people in their 20s you've had at least one to a few traumatic experiences at this point um, but the first thing I do is acknowledge and I get comfortable with the fact that this is my reality so I'm like hey this person has died this person has gone away this person or this experience oh shout out to jack sorry i decided to go outside for a minute no it's i'm feeling i think i think he needs to be on the podcast next (laughs) because that that boy can talk jack russell um but acknowledge yeah um and sit with it because for me my natural response when something scary happens is to avoid and fly away i am like i don't want to acknowledge i am terrified because it's just the the fear is so overwhelming i i get so nervous and scared because i'm such a sensitive person that it's so much easier for me to just shut it out completely so the first thing i do is um, get comfortable with this being in my life. And then after that, I start to go down the pathways of like, okay, well, like, how am I reacting to this? How has it affected me? Like, what emotions am I feeling? Is there a way for me to channel it? And then I'll write or I'll dance or I'll work out. Um, so I suffered from like really, really extreme um, anxiety and an anxiety diagnosis that really started to plague me. And that was that was directly correlated to trauma I experienced and hadn't really dealt with because I was so young and I didn't have the tool belt for it. So it manifested itself physically. And about six, seven years later, I'm in high school. No, about four, four years later, I'm in high school 
and it is just I'm debilitated on the couch. I almost crashed my car. I vomit on a statistics exam. I am just having a panic attack more than I'm not having a panic attack in 24 hours. And I get my ass in therapy, and it turns out it was like all of this stuff that I just never acknowledged um, grew in a way that was a little poisonous for my body. So I guess therapy also taught me that it's safe to acknowledge things and it's safe to like understand them and you don't have to be quiet or hush hush anything I love that completely so and I shame that's that's the thing like my thing is get rid of shame and talk about it and that's why I'm like artist that's why I'm about podcasts that's why I'm about gratitude because it's all creating focus and like um okayness with talking about fragility and like taboo topics like you have to do that that's the only way and i think even what we're doing right now talking about it more openly um which i think is being more familiarized is so important in allowing others to be seen we may not go through the exact same experience but we can all relate on some form of discomfort and feeling uneasy and having symptoms like you're talking about panic attack shortness of breath nausea um and i want to it's i this is why i love our friendship um i feel like we always somehow make full circles and i love how you started it and talking about it's too much right so so for me and how for a minute you kind of had it blocked out and so when you think about trauma so we went from healing maybe why would you want healing okay some sort of trauma some sort of distress has happened on some plane okay well with trauma comes shock it's something that has knocked off Mm -hmm. your equilibrium and with that Mm -hmm. I think it is our primal instinct to protect to survive and so mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, and, and that's why you have to be gentle with yourself, that we are not always the most happy beings, okay? We go through things, and we're all swirling in each other's stories and patterns, and we're all affected by it. And so I feel like that shock is to, to know that it's not going to be fixed in some certain amount of time. And that's okay to just... Let yourself, it's right? Like, be, like you said, yeah, be it's gentle like if you've ever let yourself. Let's go with if you've ever experienced death, maybe or or someone you know is is terminally ill or something like that. Sometimes you don't feel anything at first. It's I mean, before you even go into the different stages of emotion, it's almost numb because you're just even in the process right. of yeah, of accepting hey, this is going yeah. on. And, and yeah, yeah, and our brains are layered, like it takes a long, and our hearts are layered. And I think just the human, right, is an onion. And so it takes time for you, even if you want to soak all that in and you want to invite it, it takes time for you to understand it because you can't just be like, got it, I can understand this existential thing in one day because it happened to me. Like, no, it's about a 10 years of crying and 
celebrating and writing and reflecting and sabotage and conversations and all self-sabotage oh my god drinking i mean we could go on you know misery loves company i mean i'll tell y'all this as an example went to go visit sam two weeks ago um it was like the week in where whenever corona had came about but nothing was they were still on the stages of seeing if it was gonna get really insane or not so we were we are already on a traveling thing uh we already had plans to travel and then we ended up staying with sam because we lost all of our jobs for a week and uh, during that week my grandmother got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and had to have an immediate surgery terminal um now they, they got the tumor removed but it had already been metastasized so she has about 30 to 90 days to live currently and I remember being in this space where I'm like oh I get to visit my best friend I haven't seen in a minute um, I get to be with my girlfriend my other friends all this stuff um, and this is so fun and I'm at the beach and I don't have a beach usually but at the same time I was like holy shit my nanny's dying and she's in her early 70s and she helped raise me and like that's really weird and I remember like sometimes because all of those people I was with are safe to me I could be driving and I'd start bawling crying and then 10 minutes later I'd be drinking a white claw chugging it on the beach seeing who could do it faster waves you know it was waves and 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 I think even that just waves so that is what our consciousness is and I've been diving really really deep further into my studies of the mind and meditation and so it's weird so with nature in general all aspects of it it's life death rebirth cycles cause and effect so that's something that's always happening in every aspect even astrology it doesn't matter it is That is something that is scientifically proven Um, in our DNAs. Every seven years, the cells have completely changed. So you have this whole aspect. And then you have consciousness. So consciousness is sensation, thought, feeling, um, action, and the way that we store experiences. That is not to say that's what is actually happening. What's actually happening is awareness. So that's the stillness. That is the plane that life is happening, that consciousness is connecting and evolving and moving. And so when you say waves, you know, like talking about chugging that white claw and then crying and all these things, that's what's happening with us. It is these waves of perceiving and and having these different touches to awareness, to this truth. And I love even what you were saying, like kind of talking about these layers and being an onion and how you can't even talk about it maybe until 10 years, which even goes back to does conversation create healing? For me, that's why I started with sometimes meeting a stranger is healing because it's taking you out of your personal dogma, your story, right? A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I love my I love talking to strangers all while you and cashiers. Oh I, I, I hope you have ten extra minutes. <laughs> Girl, bring it so, out, bring it out. I think it's interesting. Um and 
So let's see. So I think even with what we're talking about when you're when you're going through trauma and you have that shock, I think all it is is over time, which like I said is not set on some specific uh, table for us. It's it's just having moments of allowing it in. And and it and it shows in different stages. Um, and and even what we talked about mm-hmm. earlier, when you are healing, for me, it's more of when healing for me really begins is maybe you've gone through these heavy emotional states or numbness or this or that, but throughout a little bit of time, you you can get to a place where you can view things objectively, meaning you're not so emotionally involved in that moment, not saying that you won't be again, but in that moment, you're not so emotionally involved and you can start to see this unfolding, this awareness of what's actually taking place. And as soon as that glimpse happens, Mm that's the healing that's the evolving that's the moment Mm. that you have seen something for what it is and things start to shift and truly observation is so powerful you know it takes you it takes your bias and your effect out of it you're just watching something very clearly you know with no distraction yeah and i think um and for me, and just like you've already said, it could be through dancing, it could be through art, it could be through writing, you know. And for me, my speaking oh, of yes, dancing, she sent it to me. Playlist? She texted. Hold on, I gotta open up Spotify. Yeah. It's oh, it's literally called Corona Quarantine COVID nineteen playlist. A playlist by Andrea Farrell on Spotify. It is All the right. bomb. Corona. So literally, if you type in coronavirus playlist, the description will say Corona Quarantine COVID-19 playlist. And it's by Andrea Farrell on Spotify. Okay. I'm going to let you finish what you were saying because I loved it. What you eating? But, um... <laughs> Girl, I just opened a little. A I just little, literally little came little outside, one. and then I I um, even I'm took a little leak in my corner of the of the yard. <laughs> <laughs> That's seven p. Yes, baby. She lives in Florida. She's Fertilizer. Hey, I mean, we have no toilet hey, paper. What are you supposed to do? You but... grab a leaf. <laughs> Hey, what you gotta do? You gotta be a baller. Oh, God. Um, so this playlist is dancing. There has been, okay, there has been a renaissance happening, and it's going to continue to happen because the pendulum is forced to swing the other way due to this virus because it is affecting the economy and affecting people's snaps and snap, snap, snap. So a uh, hundred years ago, the Black Plague happened. What happened right after it? The freaking renaissance baby baby and it's happening again and um so these spotify's and these music videos and these tiktoks and these podcasts and these freaking songs and art that's being created yes is it is beautiful. and i also i'm gonna link the playlist by and, the way y'all in the, and uh, something that i want to bring attention thing. to um 
one is right now we are we're we all know that I feel like we have a lot of different things going on right now with shifting we have this new age that no it's not necessarily millennials think everything should be given to us but we also we are finding substance in the enjoyment of life and connection and creativity and we want to have more freedom in the way that we spend our time and it's very valid and with that we have technology which can also be our biggest threat um and what i want what i also want to leak here is right now even with all this going on there's been so many powerful articles being leaked through twitter which i've never used but also youtube and you know people playing music online for free and yoga classes and um online tutoring for free and there's also a lot of articles going on right now our biggest threat in the way that we are evolving it for uh news and 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 different theories that are out there and keeping the communities alive and vibrant like this is also part of the healing process it's not to give into that fear of yes like this could be our downfall they could dominate control over us but also like right now during this time we are using it to liberate each other and give to each other and this is so important because it is a fight right now it is a fight for what powers are going to be healing or are going to diminish our flames and dominate us. Um, I know that's a little little side segment, but that's something evolutionary happening right now. And it's so, so important to just like what we're doing right now with this podcast, the way that we're using these tools. I mean, technology... If we're gonna leave, if we're gonna leave, you know, the podcast, we're almost done. It'll kick us off at an hour. Um, if we're gonna leave the listeners with anything, yeah. it should be what use you your power. Said. And I love this. It's so simple. With these times, it's like, is, is this the apocalypse or the revolution? It goes into what you were just saying, Olivia. Don't give up on your inner power. Okay. There are so many of us, and how we use this and the message we're spreading. You know. Grow your small circles, grow your community, grow plants, grow food, become self-sustainable and use technology for a source of truth and connection. Yep, do your research. Do not believe all the misinformation that's out there, y'all. Go to CDC or go to your local governor. Other than that, I really would be hesitant because I saw this freaking article about someone's dog having coronavirus, and dogs cannot get coronavirus. Like, people are... Yeah, and there's even things whether... I don't have full trust in my government. I will come out and say it, but at the same time, I have grown up. You may categorize me as a hippie. I don't like to put myself necessarily in that realm, but at the same time, I know a lot of people with these conspiracy theories and some of them are for the better some of them are for the worse also oh my god just stay grounded whatever it is whether it's coloring dancing writing breathing find it you have the time cooking find your outlet and connect to it and breathe it and be it and share it yes yes be it share it believe it all right friends i'm gonna link you're so tech savvy olivia has been helping me with this my entire Um, six years of knowing her (laughs) 
Oh my god, it's she's she's not a hippie. She's just <laughs> um, a, a hippie dip. There's a difference. And, and I just got a Gmail account so, for this. So Let's be real. I know. I'm so proud. I'm so proud. But here's the thing: she's willing to learn about the tech, even though she sucks at it. Um, and also, like, what a what a nice relief! Like someone who actually sucks at technology. Everyone else has <laughs> technology just glued to their foreheads. Um, so that's that. I'll link the playlist. Also, those books. If you want to get some books, order them to your house. Um, a new earth that personally changed my life the celestine prophecy i've heard that changing everyone's life the surrender experiment yeah oh yes queen alchemist i'm gonna throw in the prophet um i'm gonna throw in anything brene brown if you're more new age she's a uh sociologist scientist she's a scientist i'm not sure if it's sociology i think that's one of her degrees and backgrounds but she studies shame and um courage and all these beautiful human emotions she has a bunch of stuff on healing um so get all that stuff uh let's say a big thank you to Sammy P for holding it down for coming on this podcast 20 minutes before I started recording because Aubrey couldn't do it let's shout out Aubrey thank you for holding it down last week because I didn't do shit but this week here I am um and I'm gonna do this. My 80s theme yoga class Wait. starts in three minutes. Virtually. This is amazing. Well, my clapping button. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love you, Sam. I love you, bona fide listeners. Um, keep healing. Keep killing it. Reach out to me if you know me. If you need anything. If you don't know me, DM me on Instagram. Bona fide podcast. And thank you for coming up with great topics and having the self-discipline to stay on track and reach out to others to join in and have open discussion, authentic discussion. (laughs) Yes, talk shit with your fam. That's the mantra. All right, I love you. Have a wonderful day. I will. I'm about to go. I have on all my highlighter colors. I'm about to go bust a few shapes. Y'all heard? (laughs) it'll be videotaped all right i love you all keep tuning in to this beautiful soul sister and her amazing sister aubrey and uh gabrielle's cool too Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i love your entire family lord have mercy all right my god there's something be well all right signing off goodbye